What is up and welcome to the Beware the Bay podcast today. We're going to be talking about a Bucks win and Tom Brady's first win with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, answering your questions, looking ahead at our week three matchup versus the Denver Broncos, all that and more on today's podcast. Bucks fans, my name is Micah Frank, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Brandon, Uncle B. Ricketts. It is another morning edition of the Beware the Bay podcast. Of course, we're coming uh, at you right after a Bucks win, but but also we're, we're coming at you after the Rays have clinched the AL East. Stamkos comes back for the Lightning, scores on his first shot. Uh, the Lightning take a big 2-1 lead in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, you got Rays, you got Lightning, you got Bucks, all doing well. It's great to be a Tampa fan. Brandon, how in the world are you feeling about all of that this week? Oh, man, I you have no idea. I it It is great. It's great. I know you're, you know, a couple states away right now, but the liveliness of sports here in the Tampa Bay area, we have not felt this. It really kind of since in the early 2000s when even when the Lightning were kind of being dominant back then, too. So um, it's great to have, you know, all three of the major sports in the Tampa Bay area finally start shining into spotlights, uh, especially with the Rays, you know, under, you know, circumstances of their stadium situation and their low salary cap. And yet they found a way during this weird coronavirus pandemic to just be like, all right, we're just going to go out and win. And there's still more work to be done. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, think about all the injuries, too. And and let's just, you know, get a little raised lightning talk out of the way. I mean, the injuries that these teams have had to deal with, uh, the adversity they've overcome, the Rays, man, it seems like, you know, it, it's at points during the season everybody was banged up and they were still finding a way to win games. And then, of course, the Lightning being without Stamkos, you know, being down uh, different players throughout the, the, the playoffs, um, you know, going up against some tough teams and now – here coming to uh, the Rays in the Stanley Cup Final, um, or I'm sorry, the Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final, Rays clinching the AL East, and, and now we just need our, you know, the, the, the topic of our, our Bucks podcast, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we need them to do uh, some things this season, and then this will be truly uh, the dream year for Tampa fans. And um, so, Brandon, before we get into the podcast, um, just want to let people know, remember that we'll have a listener question segment in just a bit. So if you have some questions for us, we had some throughout the week. If you guys have some uh, here on the chat, um, just drop them right below in the comments in the chat. Questions, topics that you want us to answer, I'll keep up with them throughout the podcast. And then we'll add them to the listener question segment. As well, if you think of some questions or topics throughout the week uh, that you want us to discuss for future podcasts, hit us up uh, throughout the week on social media in the DMs, send it through the Instagram story question each week, or use the hashtag BewareTheBay on Twitter and Instagram. Now on to the podcast. Brandon, you know we start every single podcast with our one word and immediate reaction. After a big Bucks win, what is your one word and immediate reaction? Let's go! Woo! That was literally my reaction the entire time watching this dominant, dominant team on defense there just devour those little kitty cats of Carolina. I mean, it literally was overall a great performance. I, you know, it, when we... When I went through the bad, you know, going through the bad stuff, which we'll be talking about here in a minute, it was very hard for me to grab some of the bad things. I mean, there was a couple, but it was very hard to grab 
a scoop of a lot of good things if you you know what i mean it was like picking uh eminence out of the skittles it's like okay which color is what and what rounds you know <laughs> it was very hard but it's okay because i was pumped what about you yeah i mean i have a little bit maybe a little bit more of a um hesitant response than you do i was so excited believe me so excited we won this game my one word is phew phew goodness i am so glad we did not blow this game i I, listen i was pumped as anybody by the first half we were dominating the panthers in fact i thought it was going to be a blowout but then came the second half bucks let up two touchdowns and as bucks fans brandon we know this as bucks fans you know we've texted about this on game day so many times we've seen this story before we go a big at half then we let the wind slip through our fingers when we should have had it in the second half. And um, although the offense didn't do too much on the sat sheet in the second half, they did enough to win the game, coupled with the takeaways from the defense. Man, you can tell this team is not where it needs to be as a team just yet. And listen, that's kind of exciting, right? I saw a lot of improvement from week one to week two, and I expect to see improvement um, each week, especially going into this week against a banged-up Broncos team. I'm excited. I'm glad we got the win. I'm glad that, um, you know, some of the old Bucks stuff that we've had to deal with as fans may be starting to go away. We may be able to start getting big leads and, and holding on to them, especially with guys like Tom Brady and Bruce Arians at the helm. I'm excited. You know, maybe we could have done a little bit better, but listen, this team is still building. I'm glad to get it to get the win. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, Michael. We were just talking about, like, you know, we had to pick a couple lows, so let's just dive on right on into it. Uh, what are some of your uh, lows into this? Uh, really a great win, in my opinion, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I think there were a few, and and that's that's okay because, again, like I said, the team's still building. We saw a lot of improvement. I, I'll, wait, I'll wait to get to the good. Let's just do some of the bad first. We'll get it out of the way. Drops. We got to talk about the drops. Uh, I... I it was almost inexplicable, and you you could Bruce Arians kind of alluded to the fact that there were some gusts of wind, but the Panthers weren't dropping the ball. I mean, Arians said that there were seven drops on Sunday worth 125 passing yards, and as many as three touchdowns dropped. I mean, I rewatched it, and the drops were just brutal. You know, especially the touchdown drops by McCoy and Grayson. I mean. Bless his heart. It hit him in the head. <laughs> it hit Grayson in the dome, man, right off the helmet. You know, receivers, they just we just have to do a better job for Tom Brady. Uh, this game could have been a blowout, probably should have been a blowout. Uh, it doesn't excuse the lack of offense in the second half for the team, you know, kind of letting the Panthers back in the game. But throwing and catching is a two-step process. Brady held up his, his end of the deal, and uh, we need our receivers to hold up their end of the deal. For sure, for sure. And that was actually one of them that, you know, I was going to bring up. And it's funny because, you know, everyone was, you know, has been really big on O.J. Howard. And listen, O.J. last year had his times where he would catch the ball. But a lot of the times, and I'm not just picking on just O.J. here, but, you know, his kind of stood out to me because it was in those mitts, like literally in his hands, and he just didn't come up with it. And, of course, you're going to have those times where it's in your hands and you're just going to have to battle through it. You're just going to have to battle through it. I mean, you it's one play at a time. It's not like you're getting it all, you know, thrown at you at once. It's one ball at a time. Um, same with the um, – who was it? Uh, was it? It wasn't Scotty Miller. It was um, 
my gosh. My brain just went blank. Ah! <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, that there were so got, many drops, man. It's I know. Hard to keep track of them. <laughs> I, but the one that was early and in the end zone where he was diving out for it, you know, mm. you. Yeah, Scotty Miller. It he was Scotty Miller. Okay. Okay, it was Scotty Miller. If you know, and of course, you know, Scotty Miller, he's smaller, just like Adam Humphreys was. So he, you know, yeah, he had to go out for it. But man, you had that hand, ball in your hand, like just grab it, just grab it. Yeah. So that was one of mine. Um, another one of mine was um, kind of goes along with the offense of securing the ball. A couple fumbles, not just this week, but you know, last week as well, where we had a fumble as well. And it, you know, high and tight, baby, high and tight. You know, keep all. Keep a hold on that ball. I I think you know. Again, it comes with time, but uh, you got Ronald Jones there, who's been here for a while, you know, and then two vets out of Shady McCoy and Leonard Fournette. You know, you hold on to the ball. I know these guys are trying to punch it out of you, but hold on to it. It it means the world yeah. to Tom Brady that you hold on to it, because man, will he be livid if you drop that ball again? Yeah, no kidding. Well, and, and you went right into the, I think, the second kind of major topic. There's the drops. Then you have the turnovers. And like you said, you know, had a fumble. It was a bad fumble. I mean, I rewatched it, and that did not look like the 20-year veteran at quarterback's fault. And, again, the beautiful thing about beginning to play uh, good football is you don't have to blame individual players as much. I mean, we've we've got scar tissue, Bucks fans, we do. You know, it's like trying to figure out, you know, who's at fault for this interception and blah, 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 blah. Well, listen, some of the best teams in the league, they play clean football. So hopefully as we begin to start, you know, cutting down on the turnovers, we'll be, be like teams like the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Packers, the Seahawks. Let me give you some stats from their game. So they're great examples of contenders that play clean football. And this is what I really think the Bucks need to do. The Seahawks, they had one turnover in week two. The Ravens, Chiefs, and Packers had none. Guess what? They all won their games. And the turnover battle is one of the biggest variables that impacts winning and losing. And let's face it, listen, if the Bucks win the turnover battle in New Orleans, they most likely win that game. We gift-wrapped 17 points for them. And, and I think if the Bucks don't have those turnovers, they win that game. So I, I saw a lot of improvement, still some things to be worked on. You had the bad Rojo fumble. You have the miscommunication, high throw. You know, I don't know what it was due to pressure. Brady DeGronk right after the Bucks had forced a fumble. Can't have those. Gave away chances, but I think it'll get better, especially, you know, with the Bucks led by Tom Brady. He's a guy who's literally never thrown more than 14 interceptions in a single season in his 20-year career, right? His, his inter- interception per year average is like 8.95. It's just incredible. So I think he's pissed off just at the few – um, you know, giveaways that he's had and the team's had, and I think that, that they're going to go on to fix yeah, that. Absolutely. I mean, again, <clears throat> it's only game one or game two, you know. Absolutely. It's only game two, and that was our first home game of the season. So it, it was it was good to see Raymond James, but it was a little sad to see it a little empty. I mean, and yeah. I and yeah, I swear, I it, it if, if I hear a New Orleans fan come at me for saying, well, Tampa Stadium's always empty, shut up. Just shut up. It wasn't. It's that's not even like a fan thing to say. Did you see that Cam Jordan said that? Uh, yeah, that's why I'm calling it out. I'm calling it right here. Just, just shut up. No one cares like that you cheat like and you put bounty on people's heads. No one cares. <laughs> well, do we have anything else? I, I've, got, I've got you know a few things. You got anything else from the game? I, from the bad side, I, like I said, I did not really have too much to handpick from this one. I, in my opinion, I, but I feel like you have maybe one or two more that you probably thought of yeah and I'm yeah just let me destroy let, you in a second here no, i'm kidding 
Oh, you can't destroy this one. This is this is something that we can't see, and I don't know that we will as much this season. This is kind of an, an old Bucks thing to do, but letting them back in the game and taking your foot off the gas, man, that is that's just frustrating as a fan. You know, I you know I wasn't happy that we let the Panthers back in the game. Now a W is a W. I was happy that we got the W, but it, it's the Panthers, and you know, good teams put bad teams away. And when you're up 21 at, uh, to, to zero at half, the mentality has got to be, you know, put your foot on their throat and and take them out. And historically, this Bucks team has gotten lax after halftime. They come out low energy. You know, play calling gets a little bit more conservative. And we saw a little bit of that in the second half. Um, I think as well, the offense was hampered by turnovers, um, you know, drop balls, that kind of stuff. But still... Um, I hope that this is a learning experience and hopefully the start of a new era of Bucks football. No mercy. No mercy. This offense is going to be special. No mercy. Just go destroy teams. Don't sit. You can't. 21 points is nothing in the NFL. Um, Got to keep adding to it. Oh, yeah. Just ask any Falcons fan or your in-laws how a 19 <laughs> gets blown. Oh, so uh, that, that brings me. That brought me a lot. <laughs> so share that with your in-laws when you or next time you talk to them. <laughs> I, listen, I've specifically not texted my father-in-law. I, you know, I, I want to stay in good graces. That was a brutal loss. Yeah. I've got, um, I got somebody here in, in New Orleans who's a, a Falcons fan, and he just couldn't believe it. So, mm. I, I listen, it's folks. If that's you do, brutal. So at least we, at least we got the W, right? If you do have a Falcons fan, go check on them. They're not okay. <laughs> all right. Anyways, are you done? Are you done with all the badness? Because uh, that. To me, yeah, let's just, let's move like on to the most... good. Let's move on to the good. All right. So um, you can go for it. Go for oh, it. Okay, say less. Say less. How about we just start with the fact that we didn't miss a kick in the field in the field goals this week. I mean, like, like right off the bat, and I, you know, I'll say it time and time again. Special teams is going to be talked about here very, very often. But I think that was a bright spot in a win. Um, you know, it was a struggle, and not just a kicking game, but with the you know the kickoffs and the punt, mostly the punt returns that you know we saw where we struggled a little bit last week. Uh, it looked good. Um, you know, a couple things to more you know to still work on, but I think you know Ryan Suckup can just yeah you know, suck it up and uh, get over that block kick and uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, you know keep on trucking. I you know that I, that's one small you know small stuff we got some big ones but i was kind of saving some more momentum going into it you know gotta keep you lingering no i'm kidding but yeah yeah. i think that um gotta tease it out um but (laughs) and then realistically you know they cleaned it up in the um penalties a lot you know you didn't have too many you know stupid mistakes like you did Mm -hmm. the week before but of course you know that goes with not having a um preseason so yeah no i agree with you i and i'll i'll say this too that you know, I'm literally knocking on wood right now because, again, Bucks have scar tissue from kickers. Man, Ryan Suckup is uh, was five for five Sunday. He's eight for nine. The only thing he missed was a 54 yarder that was terribly blocked, and you know the offensive line didn't help him out at all. I mean, we literally haven't seen a miss yet. Again, knocking on wood because I hate even saying that, but he's been solid thus far, and that's what you need out of a kicker. You don't, man. You saw the Raiders like you know trot out their kicker to make a 54 yarder to go up two scores, which. Man, John Gruden has got some cojones to do that. Um, but uh, you just need a guy to be solid. And especially with the offense that we're going to have, you know, making the short ones 
Um, you know, don't don't let the offense drive all the way down the field just to miss a kick. And I've been really impressed with Ryan Suckup. Uh, but let me touch on something that you just said, the penalties. Um, I agree with you, man. I think that's that kind of falls into a larger category that I have here of learning from mistakes and improving. Um, we saw the penalties were way down. Um, man, in, in the last game, we were penalized like nine times for 100 and something yards. This game, it was like five. We're starting to lower it a little bit. And, and I, I think we can still have some room to clean up some sloppy penalties um, but man, you saw, you saw some other things that we've improved on Brady to Evans, 50 yard play. It was the exact same route. Brent, did you see that? It was the exact same route yep. that got mm-hmm. Brady intercepted in week one. This time it was a 50 yard gain because they fixed the communication on the same page. I knew this would happen, man. Brady is, he's one of the smartest players of all time. He's the greatest of all time, but one of the smartest players of all time. And he's going to get these things fixed and he's not going to make the same mistake twice. And you saw that. Um, offensive line protection was markedly better this game. Donovan Smith played a heck of a game, bounced back. Brady wasn't sacked once. He was only hit a few times, plenty of time for Brady to throw, and that's what he needs to be elite. Man, we got the running game going. That was an improvement. You know, lack of run game in week one hampered the Bucks' game plan. Uh, this time they had all the options available for them in week two because of the improvement of the run. So I was really happy with our week one to week two improvement and that's what we need to keep seeing is improvement. I think we will. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what about that defense? They finally got their and you know their turnovers that they were striving for last week. I know Jamal Dean was you know just maybe a couple inches fingertips length away from grabbing an interception last week. But man, it w- if it wasn't just you know the ball, it, this is literally what they were. They were a ball hawking defense this time. I this was a right. a complete. Um, you know, 180, you know, 360 of what we wanted last week. And they came out and they were dominant, not just, you know, the turnovers that they got, but the sacks, you know, disrupting the quarterback. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was not used to this Tampa defense. It seemed like he's think, I think he's still thinking he's playing with the Saints from last year when we played against them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think the ball hawking defense kind of really saved us in a lot, you know, early parts yeah. of this game um even when the you know the little kitty cats were running down the field you know and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. bam i mean turnover so i that was mm-hmm. huge huge for 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 me in my opinion was those turnovers to get down there and kind of play complimentary football for tom brady because you know hey the goat will take any yard you can give him absolutely and the, the two interceptions, huge, right? I mean, you had um, Whitehead. I mean, we, re- we hadn't really gotten anything going in the beginning of the game. You know, um, uh, gave the ball, four and out. You know, they're driving down the field. Whitehead comes up with an interception on overthrown screen. We'll take it. It kind of shifted the momentum of the game. The rest of that half is history. Then, second half, Carlton Davis makes a huge interception. You know, the Panthers were only down seven at that point. They were driving down the field. And, and Carlton Davis comes up with a, an interception. But two other guys on the defense I want to highlight. I'm with you, by the way. Ball hawking defense loved it. Two other guys I want to highlight on the defense that didn't make uh, uh, interceptions but uh, disrupted just as much were Devin White and Antoine Winfield Jr. Devin White, 15, sack, or 15 tackles, career high. He now leads the league in tackles through two weeks in only his second year in the NFL. Um, you know, there were some that criticized his pick when we first picked him in the draft, but man, has it panned out. He, I mean, he, he looks really, 
really good. I mean, you, you take his leadership, his energy, his will to win, his heart, his tenacity. That's great, but then you pair it with his speed and power and football IQ. And the dude has just become unstoppable, man. He is everywhere. Uh, and then you got a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr., a rookie who won the starting job with an abbreviated camp, no preseason, won the job, and we see why. He had 11 tackles, a sack, and uh, forced fumble. He's up for the Pepsi Rookie of the Week. Man, this dude is, he's going to be good for a long time. Those two guys, um, man, young guys, um, hopefully can be leaders on this team on uh, two phases of the defense, two levels of the defense, and I was really impressed. What, what did you think about what, uh, Devin White and Antoine? Oh, Lopez? for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I'll start with the young man, the young rookie uh, junior here. Uh, he kind of surprised me a lot. Uh, he was uh, he reminded me a little bit of uh, Rondé a little bit, being all over the field and getting to the ball where you know. Uh, he stayed on his assignment, but when he when the ball was thrown mm-hmm. one way, who was in the picture? Not just him, but Devin White as well. I mean, Devin White was destructive up the middle. I mean, he caused that front five for the um, mm-hmm. the Kitty Cats there devastation for them, devastation for them. I mean, I'm surprised that uh, Teddy Bridgewater's still walking right now for how many times he was laying on that <laughs> ground there. So, uh, I think they both stepped it up. I mean. There's more to come for them. More to come. I think you know, with the you know, with the front five that we have on defense or front you know front seven, eight, whatever you want to call them, because the, all those linebackers plus the three up front, you pretty much got like eight guys right there on that line that can totally dismantle a whole offensive line and the quarterback at the same time. So I think it was good to see from the rookie and Devin White that they. Uh, are also bright spots in a very heavily uh, turnover game. So I think the Bucks led the fantasy and points on defense this week with all the turnovers. I could be wrong, though. I think I'm wrong, but I might be wrong. I don't know. I wasn't really following <laughs> fantasy this week. I was a little busy. <laughs> no, that's okay. Hey, l- let me bring out a stat. This has nothing to do with fantasy. In fact, it kind of it miffs me a little bit. Uh, this is one of the reasons I don't like fantasy, I'll be honest is that you know people care more about fantasy numbers than they do winning you know team winning football so it's like people are interested in the bucks but only you know oh you know only when a running back goes off you know or they they're like well you know the bucks defense gave up x amount of points yeah well we won the game like look this is the bucks defensive efficiency ratings um dvoa through the first two weeks of the season rushing ranked number six Passing ranked number eight, overall ranked number four. Man, that 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 reminds me of the last five games of the season last year. I mean, the Bucks defense was all over the place. I was telling people, I was telling all these Saints fans, like, guys, you don't expect the the horrible defense like we had in the beginning of the year. Don't expect that. We're coming for you. And uh, they showed up Monday morning after our, our our Saints game, and they said that defense is for real. I said I've been telling you. And so you know, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what fantasy rankings there are because pick sixes play into that. There's all sorts of stuff. Uh, to me, what matters is did the defense do enough to put the offense in a position to win? And really, that's what I care about is is winning. And the defense has played lights out. Lights out. It's good stuff. For sure, for sure. All right, is there anything else good, or do you want to go to some things that we think we need to tweak go, heading up to the mile high? 
I've got I've got another one. Uh, let, let me let me give you two in rapid fire. Uh, one, give me your take on the run game. Leonard Fournette, you know, obviously in his second only his second game, um, he has 103 yards. He's already passed the 100 yard mark. Um, he had, of course, t- uh, two big runs that uh, contributed to that 25-yard run to set up the Bucks late in the fourth for a field goal that would extend their lead to two scores. Um, then, of course, he had the 46-yard touchdown to ice the game, ended the, the day with 103 yards, two touchdowns, an average yards per carry of 8.6. What, what, what's your take on uh, Fournette? Uh, do you really want to touch on it, or do you want to touch on it while we talk about it here in a little bit? I mean, I'll touch on it now. Um, no, uh, yeah, maybe save your Rojo versus Fournette well, take. I, I mean, Just give me your general thoughts on the run game. Okay, it, it was phenomenal from Fournette. I think, you know, he it was a lot better. He was going through the creases. He was going outside. He, This man can read the defense still. And honestly, you know, that man's still going 50 yards up and down from sideline to sideline, and he could still go 100-plus yards from end zone to end zone. So I – phenomenal performance by Fournette you know I think it was good to see a good run uh good run deep or you know offense but you know how much was that credited to a terrible Carolina defense I mean it that's yet to be seen I mean New Mm -hmm. Orleans Saints were able to stop us very well on the run game so let's just see how that comes yeah I'm with you okay one last thing Uh, and I think this is uh an incredible improvement from week one Game plan, play calling, and decision making were so much better. I mean, you you could not have told me that the first half of this game was the same team as at, at times in the Saints game. You know, it, it looked a lot different. And I mean, just go with me here. There were four checkdowns, four in the whole game in week one. There were four in the first quarter alone this week. I love to see it. The thing is, is the offense is still going to be B.A.'s offense, right? You, you you see it was the same play up the middle, 50 yards to Mike Evans, right? They're not going to take those plays out of the game just because they're a little different than what Tom's done in the past. He came here. He wants to be in the system. To me, it really speaks to the fact that Tom wants to be here. He wants to be in a system where he can do these kind of things. But we've put in more things that can help create safety valves when plays maybe don't go as expected. There's more stuff, it seems like, underneath. Um, There's more checking down to running backs, letting them. I mean, listen, you make a move, you could get 5, 10 yards, and the only thing that that held back Shady in in that role was a a penalty, right? You you had a penalty in the first uh, quarter by, I think it was Jensen or something, you know, that that negated a 15-yard a little screenplay, and and I love seeing that kind of stuff. And I was grateful to see a little bit more Tom in the offense as well, because the thing is, is it's a comfort thing. Do I think Tom Brady can make every throw? Absolutely. But do I think that he's maybe where he wants to be just yet, with you know understanding the offense and feeling comfortable? No, he said it himself. He said he had like ten thousand passes in New England, and he's had hundreds here. So it's it's obviously going to be. An adjustment, and so I was I was glad that we saw more of that because the thing is, is these wins here at the beginning of the season, even though it feels like preseason, they still count. So we need to incorporate some of the stuff that makes Tom feel comfortable as well. Man, you saw that they put in the flea flicker this week. Uh, people were thinking it was Tom Brady um, per reports, but then Bruce actually cleared it up and he said that it was actually Tom Moore that uh, said it would be a good week for a flea flicker. Love to see it. If Brady got the laces on that, that's a touchdown. I was pleased with the variety of play calls on first down instead of just running the ball. It was 
a little bit more variety, and I think just overall a better game from a technical X's and O's standpoint and decision-making standpoint. They're just getting comfortable with each other, and you see that comfort is immediately paying dividends. For sure, for sure. All right, um, what are some things that you think uh, the Bucks could also tweak on heading into going up to the mile high? You know, there is, you know, the balls and travel a little bit further right now. It's not cold, as cold as it, you know, that's probably one of the positives co- going into this game this week is it's we're playing in October, in September versus October, November, December, where it's going to be in the negative sometimes. But uh, what's your thoughts on that, you know, having an early game in the mile high city? You know, I think it's uh, it's always an adjustment. Players playing in in Denver, uh, it it does it, it kind of reminds me of like when people say, "Hey, playing here in Tampa when it's really hot." Um, you know, the, oh yeah, the Bucks should be really acquainted with this, but other teams that are like cold weather teams, it's going to be really hot for them. And I'm like, yeah, I get that, but also the better team usually wins. So I don't put as much stock into uh, that, even though it is a mile above sea level, so you do have some elevation change. Um, like Bruce Arians said, I think they're going to rely on the sports science guys. I don't see that being as big of a problem. Maybe you get a little winded, a little easier. But we've got some pretty good depth at different uh, places, and we can cycle uh, people in and out. Uh, but but here's some of the things I think we ought to change. You know, we got a lot of um, a lot of pressure on the quarterback, um, a lot of interceptions. Defense played great. Um, offense you know, was running up and down the field in the first first half. But I still think there were some sloppy plays. And again, like I'm just a fan, but um, it, it, it seems to me that if you win the turnover battle, man, you're you're similar to a lot of the contenders in this league. Right? You know, the Ravens, the Chiefs of the world, the Packers, the Seahawks, they win the turnover battle. Got to clean up the sloppy plays, uh, whether it's miscommunication, whether it's fumbles, whether it's penalties. Put yourself in the best position to win the game. So that's my first thing, clean up the sloppy plays. What about you? Um. Play all four quarters. I know the offense did, but the defense kind of, you know, kind of slept off the fourth quarter just a little bit, you know, almost let them back in the game, but we're not the Falcons. So uh, play strong all four quarters and go out there and dominate. Uh, And that just goes for all phases of, of, you know, of the team, offense, defense, special teams, you know. There's, you know, there's 60 minutes in this game. Play all 60 minutes of it. It's, you know, it literally comes down to every second. Um, I don't care if we're up by three with three seconds left, play that three that three seconds because one mistake can cost you the game. Um, I think if we can clean that up, which, you know, as Bucks fans, we've been struggling for, you know, kind of decades now, kind of let teams back in. Um, I just feel like it could have been yet. It could have been Sunday, but it didn't. It so we weren't the Falcons. So, <laughs> right. but just, you know, just play, <laughs> just play the full 60 minutes and I've, I think we'll we'll we're doing we're doing fine. There's nothing that they need to change, you know, team wise. Um, something that we are going to talk about here in a minute. Um, it has been on both our minds for a little bit now. So, um, but yeah, there's not much to, to change. Uh, they they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're getting the turnovers. They're connecting other mm-hmm. passes now. Um, they've cleaned up the penalties. They've cleaned up the you know the communication. So it's just play all sixty minutes now. Just play all sixty minutes. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean that's that's uh, oftentimes the the difference, right? I mean, you put your guard down for just a second, and another team can come right back into. Especially in the the National Football League, no team, well, some teams are out of it, but uh, no team is ever out of it. Um, and I, I agree with you. You got to execute, and that has been Brady's mo 
for 20 years. And I think that's the reason why you saw him so laser-focused in that post-game press conference. Even after his first win on a brand-new team, after all the criticism, they got the win, he's still thinking about ways that they could have improved. And that's what makes the guy so great, is he's never... He never rests on his laurels. He never stops thinking about ways they can improve because you got to keep improving. you got to keep getting better, and, and that'll be a big improvement if they can just keep their foot on the gas um, and play all 60 minutes. One last thing I'll say is I would love to see the tight ends more involved, but listen, Brandon, we've been saying this for like a year and a half now. Um, I, I, I'm not saying I've lost all hope, um, but BA just doesn't like to throw the tight ends, and I think that you know, uh, Tom Brady throws to the open guy. Um, but man, you gotta be, sometimes tight ends gotta be schemed open. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, our, our, if our O-line was a little stronger, maybe they could go out for routes a little bit more. I don't know. There's a lot of variables in it. You know, I think Gronk looks a little slow. We'll talk about tight ends in just a minute, but uh, I'd love to see the tight ends get more involved. Um, because there's such an X factor, man. We're, we're paying our tight end room $16 million. We've got Gronkowski on our team. We've got Cameron Brait, red zone target. We've got OJ Howard, man. And, and maybe it's just a lack of opportunities BA was talking about in the red zone. You know, we've had, um, I think it's nine red zone trips, eight field goal or eight touchdowns and a field goal or something like that. We've done really well in the red zone. We've run the ball a bunch. So maybe we haven't had as many, had to throw it as much. So maybe they get more involved if we have more opportunities. I don't know. Just seems to me he's, he's Bruce Arians is still a little bit stubborn in this area, and I'd love to see tight ends get more involved. And you're right. But also, if you think about years past where um, a lot of our tight ends have been almost security blankets for our quarterbacks in times, especially when being down almost two scores, you know, when it was our fault. But That's a good point. You know, you know, so that's just a little bit of that. Anyway, so let's go. Let's just go ahead and dive on into um, one of the listeners' questions that I believe you, this you came. This one came from Twitter, or was it Instagram? These uh, the this one these two are from Instagram. John Gill gotcha. on Bucks UK. Gotcha. Okay, so John Gill asked, and it, it's talking about the um the tight ends here. Two games in, and we are yet to see the Gronkowski of old. Uh, will he become the Tom Brady go-to guy or of old, or will he continue to be an excessive blocker? Um, you want to answer that first? Yeah, I got it. I got it for us. Um, so and it said expensive blocker right at the end there. John uh, asks about Rob Gronkowski. And, you know, he, he's getting paid $9 million a year. I think that the coaching staff would not have brought him in just to – placate Tom Brady this was I mean this is a football team that wants to win so they obviously uh, thought Rob Gronkowski would probably be more of a factor at this point you know I know um, Rob Gronkowski had the the pass interference called against him um, but man you should have caught that ball I mean that that would potentially have been another 15 yards um, after the catch on Sunday you know I I've definitely seen and I, I think that Rob Gronkowski just looks a little slow to me uh, I, I posted this somewhere, I guess Twitter or something like that. Bruce Arians was talking about uh, Rob Gronkowski and his lack of um, production in the the passing game. I think it was coach speak. You know, he said, "Oh well, you know, we don't throw to tight ends 50 times a game. You know, uh, we, we we don't we don't have to. Uh, we we throw to wide receivers. You know, if it's no catches, it's no catches. If it's 10 catches, it's 10 catches." And and I do think the good thing about Rob Gronkowski is that you know he's. He's a team guy, and it just looks like he's having fun out there. So I don't think he's, you know, perturbed. 
by the lack of production in the offense. I do think he looks a little winded at times, looks a little slow, and 17 months out of the NFL can do that to you. So I, I think Rob Gronkowski, he'll have a breakout game here. Um, we're not expecting him to be the Rob Gronkowski of old, um, but I think that he could be an asset in the passing game in addition to our other uh, tight ends as well. So, um, yeah. you know, we, we've also got another question about other tight ends, but do you want to speak to Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, first? and I'm pretty sure you touched, touched on that. Sorry, I still have my little one, you know, working from home sometimes, you know. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, realistically, and I think you said it, you know, I caught the end of that, where, you know, he's coming in 17 months removed from the NFL, but not only that, he's coming to a new team. Um, you know, he's not familiar with all, you know, any of, really anyone on this on this team right now and so he's working with chemistry with not only that but route running and you know he's obviously dominant in blocking but it's the route running he's got to get used to i know tom brady's throwing the ball but he's got to get used to really the nfc south and the nfc in general i mean he literally played almost you know he played his whole career in the afc and the afc sometimes plays a little bit different than we do uh it's kind of like how baseball is sometimes but it give him time it's only game two now, if we're having this conversation halfway through the season and we still haven't seen a, a Rob that's supposed to dominate, eh, okay, I see it. But it's only game two. They didn't have a preseason. We didn't get to see the chemistry that, we, you know, it's this is a new Rob. This is a new Tom. It's a new top Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and it does look a little bit like um, Gronkowski is – Maybe struggling a little bit with the option routes. I don't know. I don't know what they, what play, what the playbooks look like for tight ends. I don't know, but it does seem a little. He does seem just a tiny bit lost. And you know, Tom Brady only looked lost for one game, and that was in the Saints game. And he looked laser focused this game. So I think it's a couple games here and there. You know, Rob Gronkowski is going to break out. Just a matter of time. He'll get the legs back under him. He'll figure out the playbook, and I think he'll he'll end up becoming an asset, not the main guy, not the main focus like he. Nice you know, was at times in New England, but uh, I think he'll be an asset. What about the other two tight ends? We Absolutely. have Bucks UK. He, yeah, Bucks UK asks about our other t- two tight ends. He said, and, and listen, there's there's a little, there's a couple more, a couple of assumptions in here, so we can <laughs> we'll break this down in just a second. He says, why aren't we seeing Brady use Brait more when he is miles ahead of OJ? So first and foremost, Brandon, do you think he's miles ahead of OJ? And then what do you think about that uh, question? I wouldn't say miles. Uh, I don't know how they measure things in the UK. Uh, but first, hey, thanks for. I mean, I do. We do appreciate you. We do appreciate you listening to some guy yes, from America listening. You know, over in the UK. But um, oh yeah, Bucks UK is awesome. Love that guy. Uh, they they've been or they've been listening to us since we kind of started last year as well. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, he's not miles uh, ahead of OJ, but he is a little bit better in my opinion than OJ. Um, just the fact that you know he's been in. He's been in Tampa longer than you know a couple years with OJ, but at the same time he kind of grew up underneath number three versus TB12. Uh, OJ did the same thing, but OJ didn't really get enough playing time, uh, unfortunately, with number three here. I'm not. I'm refusing to say his name. Um, Fair <laughs> enough. And to be to be honest, I I do think Bray is a little bit more compatible with what Tom wants to do, but he can't. And I don't say he can't block, but he can't 
consistently block. I mean, I know at times he's yep. good at blocking, but there was a lot of times last year where he would miss a block, and it would be his fault that number three would fumble the ball because he didn't get off the ball properly, or he's just not timing up right. I mean, I know this guy's got a brain on him, but um, sometimes, you know, the brain doesn't help the bronze, so... Uh, that's just my opinion on it. I mean, I it would be nice to see a little bit more break, but at the same time, we have a really we have a good tight end room, and we talked about this in the last show. Uh, we just got to see how these guys are gonna, you know, chemistry together with Tom Brady. You know, and I know Rob has done it, but it's just a team effort. These guys have to come together and see what goes on. But that's just neither here nor there. I think you know, eventually in time. We'll see all three of them, you know, knock on wood, everyone stays healthy, you know, because, yep. man, has that injury bug been swiping that NFL right now. Oh, man. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think I think you're right on with that. I, I think I, I still have a soft spot in my heart for OJ because I think, man, he is just – he's like a good season away from truly being uh, potentially – man, I, I don't, I don't want to say – I don't want to say it. I mean – it could be a top 10 tight end top top seven maybe it, it, he's just got to put the pieces together he definitely hasn't put the pieces together I, I think the coaching staff Tom Brady they all see the potential with OJ um Bray, like you said is you know he's more of a red zone guy maybe it's just a lack of opportunities in the red zone but guys listen we've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin we've got Scotty Miller on the on the outside we've got a, a dynamic um running back a room as well, and some really good guys in the tight end room. It, it's just a second game. They're putting pieces together. I think we'll see more of OJ in the future, and, and hopefully Tom can instill that confidence so he can start playing up to the physical uh, potential he has. So um, got a couple cop, uh, topics from Grico Suave. Again, Grico is an awesome guy. He asks a lot of questions on the Locked On, Locked On podcast. Uh, huge Bucks fan, so shout out to him. Um, he said he gave us a couple topics. Uh, his first topic was no dynamic play calling. So, Brandon, what do you think of the play calling by Byron Leftwich in this game? Uh, again, and, you know, it's only week two. I mean, just sit sit back, get your popcorn ready because there's a lot of football left to be played. Hey, you're not going to open your playbook fully uh, week, week one, week two, let alone not having a preseason. So, I mean – Brian Leftwich is a smart offensive coordinator. Uh, Tom Brady loves him already. I, I can tell the way they they're talking on the sideline. You know, it's the communication that they're getting together. Um, it's it's brewing. I promise you, it's brewing. I mean, you see these deep passes from Mike Evans and Tom mm-hmm. Brady already. So just just relax. It's you know, it's coming. I promise you, it's coming. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think. Um, in our in the first game, I was a little perturbed by the play calling. I think now and and, and again, I mean, it, apparently Tom Brady checked into a lot of runs, you know, on, on maybe some of the first downs that we were complaining about last week. So you know, is that really on Tom or is that on Leftwich? You know, this game we'll just focus in on this game. Yeah, I, I think it, play calling was was much better. You know, you had some took advantage of some things. The flea flicker, as you know, the Carolina Panthers were kind of sucking up and getting close to the line, you extend the field that way. Um, man, you put Chris Godwin in the mix this week. We'll really get to see if this play calling is good because you've got, um, hopefully, um, starting to get back to healthy two guys um, that are elite wide receivers in the league. So I was okay with the play calling. Um, but now the main event, 
Um, Grico Suave drops a topic, Fournette versus Rojo debate. Okay, Brandon, I'm going to do it to you. If you had to pick a starter today, who would it be and why? Uh, to be honest, I would put Fournette in. I, I think, you know, <gasps> I, oh, I, know. <laughs> I think uh, realistically, you know, I, I love Ronald Jones, so get me wrong, you know. Um, he's not reading the gaps very well. There's been multiple times now where you see him run, and he just runs into everyone. He, I, I don't know if it's something that he sees that he thinks he's got, and he doesn't. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm just a fan. I'm just a guy that's literally watching it the same way as anyone else, and you know. But I think Fournette has more of a mind read set of okay, I see a gap here. Oh, it's closing. I'm just gonna go back south and go down to the other gap on the other side. Um, and he just makes moves. Uh, I think, you know, it was just game one of getting him ready and everything, but I, he's still ready to play. This man's still got a couple more, you know, a couple more, at least two or three seasons left in him um, to play. Um, just health-wise, you know, he's staying healthy. So I think I think this is his time to shine to be a starter. That's just my opinion. Of course, I don't get paid the billion dollars to, you know, to sit there and be like, all right, you're starting today. Rojo, you're sitting. <laughs> I'm just sitting there flipping the channel and watching the Bucks play. <laughs> no kidding, man. That's what I do every Sunday. Um, listen, here's my answer about the Fournette-Rojo debate. This has been a popular answer going around on the podcast this week, so, you know, I didn't just come up with this, but I agree with it. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who's a starter. I mean, you even saw last year, you know, with the Peyton Barber versus Rojo debate, we were like, put Rojo in, man, make him the starter. But then even after they kind of switched, they they basically split the carries. I think Bruce Arians loves to have a stable of running backs, and um, his comments this week were basically like he really liked the fact that Fournette had fresh legs in the fourth quarter, which is what that tells me. And then he also said, too, that Fournette doesn't know the playbook well enough to be the starter. So, again, I don't know – how many variables are here but is you know if i had to choose today and it was a traditional offense that kind of had a bell cow um running back i I would take fournette i think you know he hits his gaps hits you know you give him an inch he takes a mile that's what ali marpet said he runs hard and um you know even though you got a guy like ronald jones who you know can can make a few guys miss and and he had a great stiff arm on that touchdown I still would, you know, trust Fournette a little bit more, and I think the Bucks did. They trusted him. He's not going to fumble. They trusted him in the fourth quarter. He's going to get yards. They trusted him that they could give it to him and he could ice the game, and he did. So if I had to pick one, I'd say Fournette. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. Okay, I'm just glad we're yeah. on the same page. And, <laughs> and I agree. I, I get it doesn't matter, but at the same time, it kind of does matter because uh, that man's already 100 yards in a game, and uh, that's just a little taste of uh, – medicine that we're going to be seeing from that from the running back court all right that's it that was it for that game close the book let's move on to week three as this week one of our pristine quarterback killers on our team is making his homecoming return to the mile high city i'm talking about shaq sack barrett will be going back to denver in a new uniform to show his old team what he still's got what do you think about this coming up game, Micah? Yeah, let me give you a little preview of the Broncos. And uh, a shout out to Shaq Barrett, his dad. I think his dad's watching today. So uh, we'll have to, uh, Brandon, don't say anything that you, you would get us in trouble here, okay? Um, no. Uh, so here's a little preview on the Broncos. Did a little research this week. Broncos have been decimated with injuries. 
They're kind of like, um, and this will kind of show my age. They're like that con man guy in in that SpongeBob episode with the chocolate. You know, the dude that was born with like glass bones and paper skin every morning. Chocolate. And every afternoon, he breaks his arms, and night he he lies awake in agony until his heart heart attacks put him to sleep. Yeah, I watched I rewatched that episode to make sure I got the quote right. Yeah, the Broncos are like that guy. Uh, <laughs> they literally. Dude, there's only one team in the league that have it worse than the Broncos, and it's the 49ers. Um, 49ers have like like 20 guys that are on the injury list, and the Broncos have uh, quite a few. But uh, let me list off some of the important ones um, in the injury department. Number one, uh, quarterback Drew Locke, shoulder, two to six weeks, he'll be out. Running back Phillip Lindsay, toe, two to four weeks, he'll be out. The big one, uh, Von Miller, uh, outside linebacker, ankle. He's going to be at least uh, three months. He'll be out. Uh, wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, knee. He's on injured reserve. He'll be out. Um, and cornerback, uh, A.J. Bouye uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, shoulder at least three weeks. Then you got guys like Draymond Jones, Devonta Harris, Demarcus Walker, Mark Barron, Austin Fort, and Justin Sternad. I don't know how to say that. Um, those guys will all be out as well. They are decimated with injuries. So, Mark Barron, in the wake of that, in, in the, yeah, we won't talk about that. In the wake of that, uh, Denver went out and signed quarterback Blake Bortles as their backup to their backup, Jeff Driscoll, who's now starting in place of Drew Locke. So, even with all the uncertainty, um, it's not as if the Broncos are going to just roll over. Driscoll actually um, has a little more experience than even uh, Drew Locke did in the NFL. So, um, and we know that Blake Bortles was also the starting quarterback in Jacksonville before he was ousted. But Brandon, if I'm honest with you, I- I'm not scared of either of those guys. You know, I noticed some things. Hey, hey, in hey, the game. hey, hey, hey! You better what? knock on some wood. What? Knock on some wood. Okay, the, I but, just knocked on wood. What? But the well, bus? let me tell you why. Let oh, me tell you why. Okay. Let me tell you why. Okay. Let me tell you why. I watched the Denver game, and there were some things that I think could bode well for Tampa Bay. Um, uh, even though he kept Denver in the game. Driscoll was quite inaccurate at times. Balls flying over the receivers' heads, um, you know, going short. He was indecisive. Sometimes he didn't look for the open receiver. But most importantly, he was not good against the rush. And speaking of pass rush, the Broncos' offensive line gave up. And I, I, I had to look this up. Seven sacks, seven uh, against the Steelers. Not good. Not good at all. Um, I look for the Bucks' D line to have a big day, and I'm thinking this is the game. Shaq Barrett breaks out this season. And a couple more things. On the flip side, the Broncos' pass rush couldn't generate enough pressure on Big Ben either. And I don't think that's going to change on Sunday. Uh, The Broncos only had one sack. um, And I counted this, by the way. Roethlisberger had five to six seconds sitting back there to throw the ball. The times You can't win in the NFL when you give quarterbacks that much time. And I think Tom Brady is going to have a big day. He's going to carve up. Uh, the Broncos secondary with that much time. And then um, lastly, their special team struggled, uh, especially their punt game. Their punter had quite a few short punts, gave up some long returns. So we'll see if the Bucks can capitalize. That's kind of my preview. Um, that's what the where the Broncos are at. Um, anything in there that you wanted to comment on or anything that you've seen in the Broncos that you think the Bucks can capitalize on? Yeah, we have a history of losing the backups. Come on now. Oh, whoa, whoa, Come whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I'm... I'm just I'm just stating the truth. Anything can happen on any given Sunday. Don't don't count them out. I listen, listen. I know, and you know, we both agree already on you know how this game's gonna turn out. But at the same time, 
you know, yeah, he came in when he was injured, though. He's got a week to gel now. You know, he's coming in as a starter. You know, just give some time because uh, he's had a whole week to prepare for these bucks. And uh, those mistakes are easy to fix in one week than they are, you know, coming off a bench after halftime and seeing your starter go down. So, hey, give it. Knock on that wood because I'll tell you what, we're, we're still there's still got to play the game. Still got to play the game. That's true. Anyways, let's go That's to true. our predictions. Um, you know, but with all that being said, I think we're going to just dominate. Dominate again. Really do. <laughs> I really do. And uh, this score is going to shock you just a little bit, but I think it's going to be a 28-3 to game. I don't see them scoring a touchdown. Just don't. Wow. Just don't. Wow. I, know that, I, I wow. said I said what I said earlier, but I just don't see them scoring a touchdown. I don't yeah, see I, it's kind of like I was a little surprised. That was a little bit of a 180 there. I, I gotta be careful. You know, we have a history of losing the backup. Eh, 28 to three. <laughs> okay, here's my prediction. I think it'll be a blowout too. I think it's 38-17. Bucks win. Uh, Bucks will get the ground game going again, setting up the big play action days, uh, play action plays down the field. And I'm looking for multiple big plays from the Bucks offense as well as multiple takeaways from either Driscoll or Bortles. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, the Bucks dominate Sunday, winning 38-17. to 17. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, before we get into our weekly pick-ems, uh, there's a couple news that's been going around. Uh, first and foremost, let's just hit the first one that I have here at home here in Tampa. Um, everyone saw when Fox saw uh, Brett Favre in the stadium. Um, but then right after the game, our center and really a, a guy that voices in the um, not just in the trenches but in the locker room and and, and in life, uh, Ryan Jensen said, "Oh, Favre can be there, but my family can't." And listen, I I get it. He was he was quote unquote working, but that to me that does not mean Jack Diddley squat. I don't care if you know who it who it was. I don't care if the president came down. If if those guys can't have their families there to you know support them day in and day out then you know what is it i mean you can't just be like you can't give the bone to someone and be like no you can't have it right in front of someone else it, to me it's just not right i think the glaziers handled that poorly i don't care if the nfl was like well he was working for us doing this and this and this i don't care don't care let those guys have their own you know let those family we have enough suites in raymond james stadium for the bucks to have their families their own suite for a couple games while there's no fans in the stand that's just my opinion. Do whatever, but I completely back up, you know, Ryan Jensen a hundred percent. What about, what's your quick thoughts on that one, real quick? Man, it's it's such a it's such a sensitive topic, but yeah, I agree with with Jensen. I mean, especially the fact that it's it's the players, right? It's not like we're we're having everybody come to the game. They just want their family to come, and the only thing that I would say is you see what's happened to USF right now, another Tampa team. You know, they played Notre Dame, had a lot of COVID things go wrong. USF was waiting on their COVID tests. Then they they had to cancel their next game. Um, and I don't know whether it's because of positive COVID tests or not. But, like, thing is, is you can never be too careful, especially with all this stuff going on right now. And so I think that's kind of where the league's at. You know, they've seen what the NBA's done and the NHL's done with the bubble, and that's worked wonderfully. But the, the NFL doesn't have that luxury. They have, you know, uh, 50-something guys plus a bunch of coaches plus caravan of uh, trainers and all sorts of stuff going to new cities. And 
I think they're just trying to cut down on the amount of people that are there. Not even get this. Not even the team reporters can can go. I mean, um, what's her name? Uh, Casey. Casey Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, um, she. Yeah. She didn't go to the Saints game, but she was in the stadium. I mean, granted, you know, she does do a lot of the Bucks content, so she was here at home. But she was very social distance from where she was normally exactly. is on the field. She was up in the pirate ship with, uh, you know, one of the Bucks great writers, Scott Smith, up in the pirate ship. So. Right. So, I mean, if, if you're even having to limit the amount of Bucks staff, I can see why it might seem hypocritical, especially with Brett Favre and all the comments that Brett Favre had, <laughs> too, you know? So it was kind of a, it was kind of weird timing. Um, and then Jensen got his wish. I think his, his family got their tickets to go to, uh, to Denver, but it's still not in Tampa. So I don't know, man. It's just it's kind of a weird thing for me, and I, I feel like, you know— uh, at the end of the day, the NFL the NFL wants to play a full season, yeah, and that's why there are so many stringent stringent rules and whatnot. Yeah, I agree. But then this goes to my second, you know, second thing, and I got one more after it. Um, you know, the NFL fined three head coaches for not wearing, you know, their mask on the sidelines. You know, which added up to almost, or it added up over a million dollars in fines. Um, but you have these guys going out there sweating and touching each other all over the, you know, they're literally tackling each other, you know, left and right. So. Uh, I don't know what the difference between a coach sitting there, you know, with yelling on the sidelines without a mask versus them wearing their mask. I mean, those guys are, you know, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, I'm done with this pandemic. I think we all are. I think we're all over it. We're just sick and tired of being seeing all this nonsense. But I think sure. it was just nonsense. Why, you know, why? They're, I get you're trying to prevent it. I get it, but whatever. Anyways, all right, I'll move on to something more more newsworthy and I, you already touched on it but the injury bug has striked the nfl and i not just you know not just the 49ers i mean just across the league in general i mean there were some very key names there um of course you know with the 49ers i'll start there you know they lost their quarterback they lost their tight end um they lost their um cornerback week one mm-hmm. uh so the list goes on and on for 49ers but some more key names uh, McCaffrey, who we played against, Locke, um, I think, did I say Bosa? Bosa. Um, yeah, Bosa's out. Taylor, too. Young, Morstead, Campbell, uh, and, of course, all those guys on Denver that you had talked about. I mean, the, right. the list goes on and on and on, but huge key names. How much of it, you know, of course, we're just fans, but at the same time, that preseason is very critical on getting your body ready for these games. Do you think, and, again, Players have talked about this now, you know, worrying about this was their biggest worry right here was injuries. How much of that is affected from not having the proper offseason, the proper, you know, preseason that, you know, we're used to versus now? Me? I don't know. I think, you know, it caused a big deal. Let's just see how the rest of the season goes on because if we start seeing these injuries start stacking up team wide or, you know, league wide from all the teams then yeah, I really think it was kind of had to do with just the improper timing and just not being prepared for something like this to happen. I know no one was, but at the same time, I think these players, you know, are kind of their bodies are starting to take a toll on the quarantine phase of the off season. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And that's one of the reasons I think that they'll keep the preseason around. Um, you know, if if they hadn't had the injuries. Man, I thought the preseason would be in jeopardy. You know, uh, players don't players didn't want it, but now maybe it's changed their opinion a little bit. You know, yes, you can get injured in the in the preseason, but 
you could also get injured in the regular season like we're seeing. You know, I mean, it, part of the NFL is a violent game. I almost, I worry almost every single play. Uh, like I, I watch to see if Mike Evans is going to get up because I just worry about that. You know, he's had so many hammies, uh, so, you know, so many problems with his legs. And you, you hope that doesn't happen, but I worry still. And I think NFL fans worry about it, but but as well, these guys, I mean, these are human beings who, if they get injured, it's not just their money that they're worried about, it's livelihood, it's it's who they are, being able to do the thing that they love. So injuries are, are really a uh, sad part of the game. And anything we can do to cut down on that, I think is so important. A proper off season, OTAs, the correct amount of time, the you know, correct amount of practices to to hit and to have pads on the correct amount of preseason games. And yes, you know, maybe we don't need four, but I think we need at some point of preseason because you see, man, these injuries mounting up. It seems like, and I don't know uh, for sure, but it, it definitely seems like it's more through the first two weeks than it's ever been. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to our, I think so far has been our favorite thing to do right now. I mean, I know we love talking about the bucks, but we love playing these, doing this pick them thing because, uh, uh, someone thought he was gonna win again, and uh, he we we tied this week. We tied. I should have. I should have. Okay, <laughs> but, I got but, a little soapbox. No, 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 no. I got a little oh soapbox. Boy. Here we go. The Dallas Cowboys have screwed me over two weeks in a row. They the stupid offensive pass interference Whoa. penalty in the first game. They should have won that one. And then how do you the Falcons? Oh my gosh, they they came back from you know a twenty zero deficit the first, and then they recovered a stupid onside kick. And freaking Dak Prescott, it's just ugh, it's frustrating. I, I would have gone up by by one win. I would have taken both the ones that we had different opinions on this week, if not for the gosh dang Cowboys. So anyway, rant over. Are you are you done? Are you, are you, yeah, I, I'm done. Right, I'm get done. off your soapbox and let's just get to, let's get to business, okay? All right. Anyway, so right now or last week we both went twelve and four. Um, overall in the season, though, I've got 22 wins and Michael's got 21. So he's still... <laughs> Come on. This is so frustrating. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, all right. Okay. So let's go down to the um, south or to the north side of Florida where the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins, the beard versus the mustache, who do you got? I've got Jacksonville. I, I, I'm still not sold on the Jags like at all. Um, you know, so far they've won by a touchdown against the Colts. Um, you know, they're still putting things together and then they lost to an underwhelming Titan squad. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew looks really good, but I, I just don't think this holds up uh, against a quality opponent and, and lucky for them. Miami is not a quality opponent. <laughs> and the, I think the Jags are going to get this victory this weekend. Uh, man, as much as I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, it may be sooner rather than later that we see Tua. you know, there's been, uh, a lot of interceptions, um, a lot of errant throws. Devontae Parker's not looked as good as I thought he was going to look. Um, just Miami just looks pretty bad, and obviously they're in full rebuild mode. They're going to build around Tua, but you've got to you got to be at least slightly competitive, man. It's it's just been crazy to watch, maybe how just how bad Miami's been, um, and and I think even still, you know the the Jaguars, they were able to you know put some things together and. And listen, I'm rooting for Gardner Minshew as much as anybody. I don't know if people are sold on him as a starting quarterback, but man, I think I think he could be a starting quarterback in the league. You 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 saw him take the lead by storm last last year in a lot of games, Minshew mania. Uh, but it's held up this year. He's he's looked really good, uh, quite a few touchdowns. You know, not as many interceptions. And you know, I'm I'm looking for for the Jaguars to 
to do well this week and to beat beat the the Dolphins. You just got to take care of business. I concur. I agree. I think uh, the mustache is going to beat the beard. Uh, I don't. The Dolphins are not a put together team, in my opinion. Um, after the game, the Buffalo game, you know, the Buffalo is pretty hot. We'll talk about that in a minute. But at the same time, it's just like, eh, you know, it's the Dolphins. Eh, it's the Jaguars. I going with the Jaguars <laughs> on this one. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, what's what's up next? What what do you think about Chicago and Atlanta? Ooh. How about the the Burrs right now are doing pretty pretty hot. I mean they're 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 sneaking some wins here early, but these Falcons are choking away games. I had originally put down the Falcons, but I'm rethinking my pick. I really am. I'm rethinking it. I think I'm gonna go Dude. with I think I'm gonna go with the Burrs, and the Burrs are gonna go three and zero. Wow. Wow, I did not see you picking Chicago. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna just—I'm uh, on the completely different wavelength as you. Chicago's two and zero, yeah, but they are—they're still booty, bro. I mean, they beat a bad Lions team by God's grace alone, and DeAndre Swift's butterfingers. That's the only reason why. <laughs> and then they narrowly won by a touchdown against the Giants. The Giants. I'm not impressed like at all. Trubisky just doesn't do it for me. Atlanta wins this week after one of the worst losses I've ever seen, simply because they can score points. I think the Falcons win by three scores and get a much-needed win this week. I'm on a completely different wavelength, so let's hope I get that one. Okay. <laughs> all right. Rams all right. at what Buffalo. A- Rams at Buffalo. Yeah. Rams at Buffalo. Uh, all right. All right. All right. I am. I'm taking Buffalo. Yeah, I'm taking Buffalo. I love yeah. this team, man. I, I, I hope they win their division, not because I care about Bill's Mafia at all or the jumping on tables thing, but because I hate – the Patriots and Cam Newton. I just, I just do it. Both of them hate them. Other than some errant throws, Josh Allen is cooking this season. I don't buy the Rams this season at all. I think the Bills get it done in a close one. I agree. I'm gonna go with you as well with the Buffalo. I think uh, the the Rams aren't as they were during their Super Bowl run. Um, I think the I think Bills Mafia is gonna go through a couple tables this week, but they'll be fine. They'll win. <laughs> All right. What about the um, the Washington football team will be visiting the Cleveland stinking Browns? Uh, how do you feel about uh, what's going on in Cleveland? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna give you first crack at this one. <laughs> All right. I mean, listen, I, I'm not gonna lie. I I don't know what to expect from the Browns anymore. I for the last you know 20 years, they seem like they just can't get it together. Uh, the Browns just stink. They do. They just stink. I mean, yeah, they they snuck out a win. They, they snuck out a win last week, if I'm not mistaken, against the Bengals, right? Because I had the Bengals win. Yeah, yeah, you got that win last week. But I just don't see them doing it again. Not against the um, Washington. So you're picking Washington? Yeah, I'm picking Washington. Wow. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're already diverging. I got Cleveland. Okay. So it seems to me, go with me here, that the Eagles were more bad than Washington was actually good in week one. <gasps> the Eagles have now been blown out in week one and two. So I don't know how well that reflects on the Washington football club with no name. It, it, Cleveland, on the other hand, bounced back and got a good win against the Bengals. I think Cleveland's got enough offensive firepower but to they overmatch beat Washington. a terrible Bengals team. I mean, So is Washington. Uh, Washington's bad. If they were playing the Ravens, I'd take the Ravens. I've got Cleveland. I've got Cleveland. All right. All right. 
Tennessee and Minnesota. Um, you want to go take? You want to take this one? I'll, I'll take this one. Right. Okay. I'm not sold on either of these teams, <laughs> but I will certainly take the Titans this week. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins. How much do you think they're regretting paying Kirk Cousins, man? Oh my gosh, he's just looked horrible. Now, listen, I will. I'll give him this. I rewatched the game. Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions, no touchdowns against the Colts. A few of those literally bounced off his receiver's hands. Like it, it, it was it was a bad day. Uh, but so so it's not all him. Um, but I, a lot of it is him. I, I just don't think the Vikings put it together, and I think the well-coached Titans take the victory. I agree. I think the Titans, you know, will be able to sneak out another win, and they they might be one of the sleeper teams here in the AFC this year where they sneak in to be that seventh wild card this year so yeah yeah i'm with you okay las vegas and new england who you got oh man hold on let's talk about these raiders real quick the raiders have had a great great opening to the season not only that they beat the new orleans saints those same saints that beat us okay and not only that they they were pretty dominant there. They uh, they kind of pushed the Saints around a little bit. And they helped us tie first for the NFC South. So, John Gruden, we appreciate your former team. Thanks you here in Tampa. We thank you for that. Uh, I'm going with the Raiders. I don't see um, Mr. Uh, Newton and uh, Mr. Uh, sleeveless uh, raggedy tag during a press conference uh, sweater. Uh, Mr. Homeless Man. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Homeless Man. Uh, do anything against the Raiders. I think John's finally got that team um, prepared. I think he's finally getting them, you know, ready to have a chance to win. Hey, could you imagine a Bucks Raiders Super Bowl almost twenty years later? Wow, Brandon, that's not gonna happen. Oh boy! <laughs> as much as it pains me, I think New England is good. Uh, they're gonna be good in this game. Uh, okay, I say they're good. They're not like win your division good, but I think they're gonna be competitive in each game in this series this season. And it just frustrates me, man. It just frustrates me that Tom Brady leaves, and I want New England fans to cry in their cereal every morning. Uh, but then they get Cam Newton, and somehow Cam Newton looks spry. We'll see if he gets injured, but he's not injured this week. They're obviously well coached, and with a rejuvenated Cam at the helm. His offense is actually fun to watch as much as it pains me. He had 397 yards. He looked good. Even though the Patriots lost, they had a chance to win on fourth down on the goal line against the Seahawks. Um, they got plenty of ability to beat this Vegas team, who beat a Saints team that, let's be real, didn't look like the Saints. I mean, Drew Brees, noodle arm over there, you know, couldn't throw it farther than 5 to 10 yards, didn't have Michael Thomas. They won't, probably won't have him for this game. Um, and even if they do, uh, what? Well, no, we're not talking about the Saints. Um, I have the Patriots winning by two scores. So I got the Patriots. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Whatever, whatever. Okay, a lot of dis- disagreement going on. But this one I really want your take on because it's going to be a yeah. handicap, literally a handicap game um, with the the battered and bruised 49ers going up a uh, New, York, New York Giants team that's without their star running back, Shaquan Barkley, um, for the rest of the season. Um, who do you got? Man, this was an interesting one. I totally agree with you because 49ers are the most injured team in the league. You know, on game day this week, they could be down nine starters. Um, that's crazy. To, to make matters worse, one of the injured players is their quarterback, uh, who's un- unlikely to play. Um, I think even the terrible, horrible, no good Giants beat the injury riddled 49ers this week. It'll be close, but I trust Daniel Jones more than I do Nick Mullins. And listen. 
neither of them are very good. But I trust Daniel Jones <laughs> a little bit more. I agree. I think this was probably one of the only ones that we will agree on tonight or today. Uh, I just it's one injury versus eight, seven, whatever it was. Yeah, I'm with um, you. Yeah, that's just my opinion. All right, uh, let's go to. Uh, Let's go to the city of brotherly love where uh, two stinky teams. Again, this is a game that, you know, it's kind of going to be a toss up. You know, you have a 49ers team that or sorry, a uh, Cincinnati team that's kind of struggling. And then you also got an Eagles team that's uh, trying to put pieces together and the glue's not sticking. No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. um, They don't have Nick Foles, which is obviously the problem. Uh, And, you know, to recap everything that we've said, the Eagles are. Uh, bad. They're very bad. I like Carson Wentz as a person, but he's not looked very good as a quarterback this year. Bengals have been competitive in each of their first two games. Joe Burrow has looked really good, threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Browns. Granted, he threw it like a thousand times, so maybe that was part of it, but I think the Bengals do enough to beat the Eagles. I don't trust their offensive line, but the Eagles, as I have previously stated, are bad. So yeah, it's Cincinnati in a close one. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I have Cincinnati winning a close one as well as well. All right. Well, Big Ben is back in the spotlight again. So uh, let's uh, see what the, he can do against the Houston Texans. I mean, he's got his team kind of rallied up right now out there. Um, do you think Tech or you know Brian O'Shea, who likes to deplete his team completely, beat Big Ben, or do you think Big Ben's just gonna run over those Texans? I don't know, man. What do you think? I'll give it to you first. All right. I say let's. Uh, Big Ben's gonna run over the team. He really is. He, he's just a that that whole team is um, they're grooving. Um, it it might come down to the Ravens and the Steelers at some point again, kind of like a classic, a classic rival rivalry that everyone loves to see. So I like to see see that happen again. But I think the Steelers are going to come out on top. Yeah, uh, Texans just don't look the same since DeAndre Hopkins left. Their offenses look clunky. It can't do enough to stay in games. Um, that being said, let's let's give them a little bit of a just a tiny pass because they've had a brutal schedule thus far. They open with the Chiefs, then the Ravens, and now the Steelers, who are just lighting it up. I, I would hate to be a Texans fan for more reasons than just Bill O'Brien. So I think Pittsburgh wins big in this game. Now on to the Jets in Indianapolis against the Colts. Okay, here's what I think about this one. Indianapolis has started to put things together with Phillip Rivers now at the helm. They beat up on the Vikings in week two. Um, that's not saying too much, but uh, and then they only lost by a touchdown in week one. So I think they handle their business, get their second one of the season against the lackluster Jets. I, I, don't, I don't think the Jets have a ghost of a chance. I think those folks out there in Indianapolis, Indiana, will do perfectly fine. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm going with the Colts. All right, on to on to Carolina at uh, L.A. Chargers. Who you got? Oh, you're gonna love this. Those Chargers almost beat up on the Super Bowl champs. There, they almost did. They almost had it together, and I that would have been the upset, a big upset for not just us, you know, because we had the you know the Chiefs winning, but it would have been a big upset for bookies around the you know the country that had these Chiefs probably dominating against the Chargers. That young man kind of surprised a lot of people. He had heads turned. Um, I Listen, I I think without Christian McCaffrey playing, those kitty cats are going to go down again. 
and uh, it's going to be looking good for us here in the NFC South. So I think we're going to get the dub for the Chargers. Yeah, man, I, I don't know how I could disagree. I, I don't know what to make out of the Chargers, man. You know, they're – their defense hasn't been as impressive as advertised. Herbert came in and looked really good against the Chiefs, but was that just a lack of prep for him? On the other hand, can I really take the Panthers without CMC? I that's that's why I have to go with the Chargers. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do think the Chargers went close. I was impressed with Herbert last week. They they have the offensive firepower. Um, you know, will. The, the speed of Carolina, man, it can only do so much when you don't have Christian McCaffrey. You know, when you can just cover guys, you're not worried about the, the, the running back. I just don't think that's a good recipe for Carolina. It's tough to lose your, your number one guy, uh, but they have, so I'm taking the Chargers, and, uh, and that's that. Okay, Tampa Bay travels to Denver. Um, we already said it before. We said it in our prediction. Uh, Denver's been decimated by injuries. And it's tough to win with backups in the league, especially backups like Driscoll and Bortles. The Broncos, I don't think, will have a chance this week facing the Bucs. Uh, tough defense, burgeoning offense. We saw flashes of what the Bucks' offense can be, and I think this week they let it loose, Brandon. I think they let it loose. I think the Bucs put together enough to blow the Broncos out and win big. I agree, Grinker, but I'm still holding with my 28-3 victory. No touchdowns. No touchdowns. All right. All right, all right, all right. What, what you got next? Detroit and Arizona. What you think? Ooh, I don't remember where I put down for this one. Hold on, let me let me let me pull it back up because I had it here. Um, I this one was a kind of interesting game to pick. Um, yeah, in my too. opinion, um, but if I'm not mistaken, here let me see. Who are we talking? We're talking about Arizona and Detroit. Hmm. <laughs> I skipped that game completely. I don't think anyone's gonna win. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, looks like I forgot to put that one down, but uh, looks like I. Okay, I'll give you Arizona. a second. I'll give you a second. Ari- oh, okay, okay, Arizona. Okay, okay. Let go with Arizona. I don't. Uh, I think Detroit's still not completely together. Uh, I definitely think uh, Arizona's gonna get a win. Kyle Murray, you know, we saw him last year. Uh, he's finally getting things together in Arizona. Arizona. Man, man, I was, I was really hoping. I was really hoping you might go with Detroit. But Detroit's not doesn't look very good. I mean, I was just hoping I could get the easy dub with Arizona because I, I waffled a little bit. I did. I, I love Matt Stafford. I just don't like their chances against this Arizona team. At one point, the Lions were up fourteen to three over Green Bay, and then Aaron Rodgers and the Pack put up thirty one straight points, and then the the game was out of reach. So I don't trust their defense at all. Um, and the Cardinals just look pretty good, man. And that's just it's frustrating too for Bucks fans because. You know, we've had the same level of talent they have, and we probably have more talent than them, but we haven't been able to put it together in the last decade, and them only two years into this new regime have. You know, I always kind of am a little salty about that, but uh, for the purpose of this particular game, uh, I'm taking Arizona. Okay, Dallas at Seattle. Okay, I have made my frustration clear about the Cowboys. Okay, screwed me two weeks in a row. You know, it's like they wanted Brandon to take the lead. He didn't deserve it at all. I deserved it. I picked great picks, and you know the refs, you know, screwed me over. And then the 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 Falcons did, and then the Cowboys, you know. So screw the Cowboys. Um, On to my pick, though. I thought the Seahawks were going to kill the Patriots, but their de- defense couldn't get any pressure at all. Um, to be honest, I'm not super impressed with the defense after having a shootout with Atlanta and then giving up 30 to the Patriots. Um, I actually. 
Against all odds, though, I'm going to rely on the Cowboys again this week. I think what? they win a close one. Yep, yep, yep. I think they win a close one. I don't know how. I just, I don't know, man. It just, it just feels right. I think I trusted Seattle to just go off, but then they just didn't have the pass rush. I don't know. I just feel like Dak's really kind of hitting his stride. They got some good receivers over there. I'm picking this as my upset of the week. Wow. Well, guess and what? I deserve, I, hate, to, I deserve to win. I deserve to win, okay? So hate, Dallas, hate, don't let me down. I hate to break it to you, but I think Dallas is going to screw you over again. And I think <laughs> the Seahawks are going to win. That's just that's just it. That's just it. Whatever. That's it. All right. Let's move on to a game that kind of holds a lot for us right now mm-hmm. because, you know, these, these Saints kind of got a little dec- decimated last week, um, but they're playing against Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers, who is on a hot hand, hot, hot mm-hmm. hand. I think those Green Bay Packers are going to win, and we're going to take first place in our division. Let's go. I agree. I mean, wow. I mean, wow. Drew Brees without Michael Thomas. He, and listen, I know I'm a, bu- a biased Bucks fan, but he looked horrible. I Truly, truly terrible. His elbow looks terrible. I mean, I, I feel bad for the guy. He just, he looked bad. It was kind of like, it, it literally was reminiscent of Peyton Manning and in 2015 when that Broncos defense dragged the lifeless corpse of Peyton Manning to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was it was reminiscent. It really was. I mean, um, on, on the last drive of the game, you're down two scores with under a minute to go, and you're still throwing five to ten yards. I mean, that is just, I'm legitimately curious to see if Drew Brees is actually done. Um, and I, I, I'm not ready to call it yet because he doesn't have his star receiver. They haven't had to rely on the deep ball very much, but when you don't have a deep ball and, and teams can just play you close, it, it's really hard to win in the NFL. So I am very concerned with New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. They do not look like the team they did, and their defense was stinky. It was stinky against the Raiders. They let up so many open guys. So you know, I don't even think it's a. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think Green Bay wins in a blowout and embarrasses the saints in the dome. I think that's going to be great. That, that would be great. All right. Well, let's go, let's go take a look at the future, uh, AFC, um, championship, um, game that could be potentially probably a great game for uh, real. Um, I, and this is going to, I think this is the Monday night game. If I'm not mistaken, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the Monday night game. Um, you have the defending Super Bowl champs taking on Lamar Jackson and those Baltimore Ravens. And I'll tell you what, and I'll give you my opinion here real quick. Uh, those those Kansas City Chiefs almost blew it. They almost blew it um, against a rookie. Uh, or not really a rookie, but a gentleman that hasn't really started in the league. Um, I'm going with those Baltimore Ravens. I think they're going to come out and just be a electric like they have been and just continue their dominance uh, through the AFC and maybe you know this is a future you know a future game here in the playoffs to see um and hopefully you know it comes out on top you know a different way but right now i just see lamar jackson just being the hot hand and you know you're really at this point you're like you're trying to figure out who's going to be who's going to show up and i think the ravens are going to show up yeah i agree i know the chiefs are good you know i know that they're reigning super bowl champs they retained everybody even added a running catching weapon like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But I still haven't seen that domination on offense that I've been looking for to give me confidence they, they, that they can go in and beat a red-hot Ravens team. And by red-hot, I mean red-hot. Ravens look 
really good. Now, granted, their two big wins were against the Browns and Texans, who aren't exactly the you know top of the league. But I still think that their defense holds up against Mahomes, and they win a close one. I think that the Chiefs do rise to the occasion, but I still think Baltimore wins a close one. I agree. I completely agree. I think uh, me and Kellen here have one more thing to say before we log off. Ladies and gentlemen, the next time you see us, hold on, hold on. The next time you see us, we will be having Lord Stanley come back to Tampa. We are going to prepare for an epic win against the Denver Broncos. And I think we are going to be coming back onto the show next Thursday as champions of the Daddy. Stanley Cup. So let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm getting off. Micah, send us yeah. home. You got it, man. Uh, don't forget that Brandon and I will be right here every Thursday morning at 8.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, live on Bucks Report Facebook page with a brand new podcast for you. So join us each week. Bring your questions and topics that you'd like answered for the podcast or if you're in the middle of the week, hashtag Beware the Bay. Um, yeah, let us know. As always, a big thank you to Bucks Report. Beware the Bay podcast would not be where it is apart from the Bucks Report network. Super grateful for them, Keith and all those guys. Uh, you can, of course, find them right here on, on Facebook at Bucks Report. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Beware the Bay and on Facebook at Beware the Bay Podcast. You can listen to this uh, podcast, the audio version of, of this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you again, faithful Bucks, Bucks fans, for tuning into the podcast, and we will see you next week.